good football Sunday morning for you. Xander and Hanley on ESPN 1000, Bears, Packers tonight. Boy, Brian, after last week, does it give you any hope against our quote-unquote rival, which I want to talk about, that word rival and rivalry by definition. But does it give you any hope, Brian? Uh, well, tell me who's going to be on the offensive line for the Green Bay Packers, and I can better answer that question because last week at Minnesota, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers battered and, and beat up as much as he was throughout that game. I mean, it was fun, wasn't he it? Was, but they were missing three offensive linemen. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, a, a buddy of mine's in a survivor pool. I am too. I uh, I, I took the plunge uh, this this year, but. You know, to win a survivor pool, you just can't take the obvious ones, um, you know, all, all season long uh, because you have mm-hmm. to take a risk. Yep. So that that line, the Vikings were two-point underdogs uh, early in the week. But when the Packers were missing Lazard, one of their receivers, you, you don't know any of the receivers now that Devontae Adams is left. Right. Um, it's a bunch of rookies and, and Lazard. But they were missing three. Uh, it uh, was announced before the game they're going to miss three offensive linemen. So I told my buddy to take the Vikings, and the line swung to I think the Vikings from plus two to minus two. That's how much gamblers put in stock for the guys protecting Aaron Rodgers. So they may get back the Ari back today. They might get at least two tackles back today, and and Lazard is a receiver. So they're a ten point favorite, no matter because. Unfortunately, Mark, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, Green Bay's won the last six against the quote-unquote rival Chicago Bears and 11 of the last 12, so it's not much of a rivalry. And up in Green Bay on prime time, Aaron Rodgers has got pretty eye-popping passer rating. So, you know, the Bears, do they have a puncher's chance? Well, you know, we'll find out. But the odds makers say not so much. But, you know, if the defense can make – Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable today, you know, who knows? Uh, but, you know, obviously there, it's a, a huge hill to climb here. Anytime yep. you go to Lambeau, it's the Chicago Bears. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's a big issue. The Packers have been an issue, as you stated, going to Lambeau. But I think the defense can make Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, throw him off just a little bit. And, and again, depending on uh, the offensive line for them, and certainly that's an issue that we know all too familiar here in in Chicago. Although last week we were underdogs to the uh, 49ers, right? Uh, not only underdogs. Uh, the first half it looked like Matt Nagy was running the offense. <laughs> well, that's, and see, and, and that's I a mean, great yeah that that's a it, great point there. Yeah. Yeah, it had nothing to do. I mean, it, it, the weather had something to do with everything. But, you know, Trey Lance was out there trying to figure it out, too. Yep. The fact yep. of the matter is, those, you know, that, that first half, and, and you saw people on Twitter just lighting up the Luke Getze and, and the offense because, I mean, what uh, Justin Fields had a 2.8 passer rating in the first half. They, didn't, they got into to San Francisco territory once, and there was like two and a half minutes left in the half. I mean, mm-hmm. there was awful offense, and then there was that. Yeah. And I expected to see much better. Now, we did see better in the second half. Maybe it's a broken play and a fluke play, but, you know, here's here's Justin Field rolling left and taking all the defense with him, and all of a sudden he crosses, you know, sees a wide-open receiver cross field, and he got a 53-yard touchdown, and, and that sparked him. But there was no rhyme or reason to anything they were doing offensively in the first half. And that, that you know, you, you try to do, uh, you know, you come up, to Green Bay and do that again tonight, it's good night, Irene. 
No, no doubt. But the one thing I wanted to point out when you brought up Matt Nagy's name was that his regime, I felt, was famous for not being able to make adjustments. And we saw from the first half to the second half some adjustments being made. That's progress. To what degree? Look, yes, the weather had something to do with it, but everybody's playing in the same weather. And it doesn't mean that these Bears can play in water better than the 49ers. But the adjustments were were made, and it seemed as though that was a different story than what we saw under our previous regime, the previous regime under Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace. And so I took that as encouraging. But you're right, the first half did not look any good at all. But, you know, you know, if we're able to make those adjustments, what we're seeing from the Packers up there, and, and I wonder how much Luke Getzey, I know that they have a new system because he's gone from there, but what kind of intel Luke Getzey can bring to the Bears about the Packers, if any, at all? Well, it's it's tough because, like I said, you know, obviously Devontae Adams is, is gone and he's um, making a living in Las Vegas now. And, mm. um, and so they, you know, they've got a bunch of young guys, uh, and Christian Watson, that game in Minnesota might have been entirely different. Uh, Watson, who they drafted out of North Dakota, um, was wide open on what would have been a 75-yard touchdown pass. I mean, it went right through his hands. He just took his eyes off at the last second. Mm-hmm. That would have been right, that would have been Packers up seven zip in Minnesota, and maybe that changes the entirety uh, con- the entire complexion of that game. And you should have seen the look. I don't know if you're watching the game, but look on Aaron Rodgers' face. I mean, oh yeah, patience isn't patience isn't a virtue. With <laughs> did you see him on the uh, Did you see him on the sidelines when he was yelling? Oh, oh, oh he was he was ticked, and that's how you throw that man off of his game. Yeah, I, I, look, he you know he's going to have these young guys are going to have growing pains, and um, he he before the or after the game he talked about how they drew that play up. And some, you know, all of the coaches are you know, saying, are you sure you want to throw a bomb here to the, to the kid? And he said, we know he can fly. Let's, let's, you know, give him a, a great debut. And I mean, he put it, he threw a dime. It was right on his hand yeah, yeah. and Watson drops it. And it, I mean, so you have to earn the respect that Aaron Rodgers is going to give you. And I believe me, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll give him another game. But if if that continues on, he's he's not going to be looking for that number for a long time. He, but but that's how you know to answer your question, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. I know the Bears were talking about throughout the week, Mark, that you know you, you kind of disrespect him or overlook him at your own peril, right? Because if you think that because Devontae Adams' a security blanket is no longer there, and you think that the uh, the uh, Aaron Rodgers and the offense is going to be severely wounded. Well, that's when he's going to light you up because mm-hmm. he does. He's the you know we hope Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback, and what do quarterbacks the franchise quarterbacks do? They lift the talent around him. They they you know the high tide raises all boats. That's right, and uh, but with with what you just talked about that broken play, you know Aaron is only as good as uh, who he's throwing to, and they they have to make that catch. So if these growing pains are extended there is going to be, you know, a little bit of surprise with the Green Bay Packers this year. And uh, look, 
the whole idea of the rivalry thing, this is what I want to bring up, right? And I know we've talked about this before, but it's a good day to bring this up again. Rivalry, the definition in the Oxford Dictionary, competition for the same objective or for superiority in the same field. Well, the Packers have truly owned us for a fair amount of time. So while rivalry, by definition, it's not really a rivalry right now until we can kind of even the playing field over a bunch of games, it is a game that we all look forward to. And I'm glad that Justin Fields brought it up this uh, recently. I think it was this week when he was asked about it. Because every time this happens, we have had Bears coaches saying it's just another game, right? You remember that? I think it must have been... Oh, was that uh, was that Tressman that said that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Trestman another and, game, and that's and, yeah. and look, look. Maybe it's not a rivalry by definition, but that is tone deafness when you say something like this is just another game. This is a big deal, and Justin has a lot to prove, and so do the Bears. And obviously, Aaron's got a lot to prove because he's older now, and he's got these new players around him, and his biggest asset is gone. So for him to perform tonight in Lambeau, which, you know, Lambeau is a, it's a hostile territory for Bears. It, it has been for a long, long time. So, no, we should never snooze on Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, our new, staff, our new coaching staff and uh, what we saw last week and the adjustment, it gives me a little hope. I'm, I'm not discounting Aaron Rodgers, but at some point he – is just going to stop being as effective as he was. I'm not sure it's now. Well, and look, after the game last week, I tweeted out, and you can follow uh, Mark Zander at Zander Rocker, one word, one uh, R in the middle. Yep. And you can follow me at Brian Hanley 534. I tweeted out just a quick observation on the game. I didn't go do a deep dive into the numbers. I just said a couple things. The new regime looks like a keeper to me. I mean, it was an ugly game, but they found a way to win it. And, yep. and they were underdogs and, and big underdogs. And, that you know, that the previous regime wouldn't have won that game. And it might have started a six-game losing tr- streak. Who knows? Especially after that first half. In mm-hmm. that first half, Justin Fields is three of nine with 19 yards. The Bears had 68 net offensive yards. That that was Matt Nagy's first half, like, every every week. Right. Rarely did they score a field goal, let alone a touchdown. And no wide receiver or tight end had a catch. I mean, it was it was beyond bleak. But like you said... I had faith by the end of the game after they won that they found a way. They, the one thing we talked about going into that game, the, the, the Bears look like a disciplined team. They bought into the hits principle, even though, you know, it, it might seem like a high school type. Kind it's of, okay. Uh, I don't care if it, I don't, I don't care, care if it's peewee football, right? If it works, it works. It works. I mean, these guys are, are, are the mantra. I mean, they, they, they bring it up before the reporters do. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. Um, but but I also said that I don't get the whole love for Joe Davis. I, I mean, you know, he's an okay broadcaster and nothing bad about him. But this whole idea that he's some, you know, some, I, I don't get it. But anyway, that's a, that was another observation from the game. But the the other thing was the the San Francisco 49ers, They weren't disciplined. I mean, how many times did they have a penalty that gave the Bears momentum and extended drive and ended up in points? Yep, and that's yep. that's the old Bears team of the last couple of years. That's exactly right. Mistakes. We, we it, it was nice to see somebody else doing that and us taking advantage of that, and that obviously could be a case several times this year as long as we make those adjustments in game and take advantage of what the other team is giving us. 
I think we're good. We've got a whole bunch of audio on uh, Coach Eberflus getting ready for this game, and we're going to get to that and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Yeah, when we get back here on ESPN 1000. Yep. If you're heading up to Green Bay, give us a call. If you've been to Green Bay, give us a call. I'd love to hear some of your experiences. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's worth a trip. I don't care if it's not a it rivalry is. and the Bears, Bears aren't ready for prime time. Um, I've covered many games up there, um, but would love to hear if you're heading up there what your expectations are of this Bears team. Can they pull up the pull off the upset? Our Twitter poll today is if they do pull out, off the upset, upset, which uh, unit has to lead the way, the offense or the defense? So, um, you know, weigh in 312-332-3776 because I know a lot of people make that trip because it is a shrine and it is a place that, you know, is a football bucket list. And, uh, and it's, a great, it's a great facility, and you can kind of see, hopefully, what the Bears aspire to out in Arlington Heights. Even yeah, greater I mean, things than that, but yeah. it's and, a shrine. And to your, po- your, to your point, Mark, about, you know, a rivalry, Know who do, does put a lot of weight into uh, Bear Packer games? The McCaskey family. Yep. You know, remember when when they got? I think it was under Tressman when they got you know trounced a couple times. George came out and said that Virginia was pissed. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Yeah. We all know. Look, anybody who walks in here uh, from out of town to be involved in the Bears saying it's just another game it really needs to sit down and have a talk with the McCaskey family for sure. We'll be back with your phone calls and that Eber Fluce audio right here on ESPN 1000. You know, it means a lot. Um, of course, I want to win every game that I play. But, um, you, know, you know, of course, it's just the tradition with this rivalry. Um, you know, it means a lot to the, you know, to us as a team to, you know, uh, the fan base to, you know, the people upstairs. So, um, you know, it just means a lot to everyone in the building for real. Yeah, well, it may not be a rivalry by definition because it's been lopsided in recent years. Certainly it's a game we look forward to as Bear fans, even though even though it's been tough to watch over the years, recent years. But, yeah, you know, at some point it's going to have to start tipping the other way and hopefully it's sooner then later, this is ESPN 1000, Henley and Xander. And, uh, you know, Brian, you threw out the invitation to anybody going up to Lambeau today to call in at 312-332-3776. I have not had the good fortune of seeing football games anyplace else, pro football games, than Soldier Field. But I was up at Lambeau during the summer, and they let you into the, you know, the mall part and everything. And I hadn't even seen the playing field but it was very, very impressive what they have going on up there. And that's the, only, that's the only measuring stick I have for looking forward to what they're going to get done in Arlington Heights, which, of course, we've seen the drawings and all of these um, perspective plans, which is really exciting. Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to take – and they didn't have it you know, at that meeting at Hershey High School a week or so ago. They didn't have any mock – you know, models of what the the stadium actually would look like. They just showed the, a, a, you know, layout of the whole development, you know, there'd be housing over here. There'll mm-hmm. be some retail over here. Here's the entrance way, you know, the, the, you know, promenade to the stadium, whatever. So we don't know, but my, Oh, you know is, what? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, Lightfoot drawings of Soldier Field. Never mind. Yeah. Right. That's a different, yeah, right. what, that's so a what, different animal the, altogether, but still what the bears will do. And I yeah. know the Blackhawks did this when they were opening up the United center. Um, they would go to all the most recently uh, built arenas. So in this case, football stadiums, they'll yep. go, um, and they've been out to Los Angeles. So believe me, George and his, 
his team was, you know, they were taking this in uh, last year. They were looking around, and they'll take elements of all the different Minnesota's new stadium. They, there are elements of, like, you know, get the natural light going in there, even if they have a fixed-roof stadium, which seems to be, that seemed to be what they were talking about at that meeting. It didn't seem to be a retractable roof. It looked, it looked like just they're talking talked in terms of a fixed dome. Which right, that's what I understood to too, and I, I think a retractable is the only way to go, but what do I know? Yeah, because look, a beautiful October Sunday, you would want to open up that roof and, and let the the, you know, the the elements in, right? I mean, you'd want to be, enjoy that. I know it would probably cost more, and I'm, I no doubt it costs more to have a retractable roof. Hey, if you're already doing it, what's another billion dollars or whatever it costs? I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So but they'll, they'll take elements of, of renovated Lambo as much as they, they hate the Green Bay Packers. They'll take yeah. the Vikings as much as they hate the Vikings. They'll go, you know, take elements of, of the, the palatial estate down in uh, Arlington, Texas, that Jerry Jones built himself. Right. They'll, they'll, you, hopefully, if they're going to do it right, they'll do all, they'll do all of that, right, and, and, and put it all together in something that everyone can enjoy. But, yeah, you should go up there uh, as a, a Bears fan. I know it's tough because you go up to a place where every fast food place is on the same main road. Um, that, that passes as fine dining up there. And, and the biggest, you know, in the past, the biggest choice Packers fans had to do, like, you know, was the wife going to wear the away uh, Favre jersey or was she going to wear the home one? So then you could wear the other one. Um, as far as the food goes, that, you're right. It's not so much fine dining. It's more uh, quantity than quality up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We've got a bunch of other audio to get to. But before we do, i got to get uh, Bear Fan Bob on, an old friend of the program. Uh, he he uh, messaged me yesterday. He's very excited uh, to, to talk with us today about this game tonight in Lambeau. Hey, Bear Fan Bob, thanks for jumping on, buddy. Morning, boys. You know, you're talking about a new stadium. Why can't you have both? A retractable roof with glass. Be kind of nice. Never mind. Anyways, I do have a lot. Well, that costs money, Bob. That costs money. Yeah, well, (laughs) guess what? You know, if you're going to do something like Arlington, get the checkbook out, quit playing around and do it. Well, you only have one shot, Bob. You only have one shot at it. We don't want to go and revise it in five years. So, yes, if they're going to do it smart and right, they've got to throw everything at this thing to make it state-of-the-art for a good long time. Yeah, because it will be the gift that keeps on giving. It will pay and pay and pay. Yep. So, you know, every time you spend a dollar on every dollar you spend on that will be 20 coming back later on. So, you know, they'll they'll get it figured out. I'm sure they will. So I have a lot for you today. I've been looking at this game, you know, and this this game is going to be different than games in the past because I was at that last game. This Bears team is very different than Bears teams under the idiot, a.k.a. Nagy. So I'm, I was comparing the old lines and. The Packers' O-line sucks just as bad as ours. Maybe a little bit worse because Jenkins and Bakhtiari are out. So that's kind of a push. Obviously, Rodgers, you know, and and Fields, Rodgers is way better because he's got a 2.1-second release point. You know, he's quick. But since the O-line is out, blitz, 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 and blitz him again early and often. You know, Mr. Rodgers needs to meet Mr. Turfface multiple times, (laughs) and Mr. Quinn needs to do it. So... With that being said, now we're going to get to the offense a little. Oh, wait a minute. One more thing here with the defense. Also, I'm looking for number nine to have a great game. Uh, What, Brisker's his name? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that kid. A lot of upside. This kid 
this kid was a beast of a man out there at Soldier Field last week. He was all over the place. He was all over that ball. I'm looking for this young man to have a pick six, and I'm looking for the Bears to get a pick six this week. You know, don't surprise me because I am picking them for the upset. Now getting to the offense. Run, Montgomery runner. If he can't run, go put the other one in. Herbert, you know, what I did see with the Bears offense is that Coach Eberflus and Getze have no problem with the change. It's like my friend Mike Murphy used to say, ride the hot pony. Well, guess what? If it ain't working, they change up and do something else. And also, that's the adjustments I was talking about. Those are the adjustments you have to make. And you can't wait on them. You got to get them going right away. If one thing doesn't work, you got to move on to the next. You know, I saw some two back sets out there, and I even saw, you know, I I would like to see a two tight end set, you know, and this is good to see. I love to see things like that. The more you have the ball, the more Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the ball. You know, it's kind of like playing football. Now, when the Packers get behind, you always have to remember, you have to watch the trick play with Green Bay because how many years and how many times have we seen that, you know, an onside kick or, you know, do something. They were going to maybe kick it on fourth down and they don't kick it and run it and get a first down, stuff like that. You always have to be weary of these guys because they're tricky. So that's all I got for you. And guys, have a wonderful day, huh? And, and, and Bob, the peanut, yeah, the uh, peanut punch is back too. Have you Have you noticed that? I did. I saw it out there. I thought it was terrific. Oh, and yeah. we did it. What was it? We had Jalen Johnson sighting the other day. It's about time these guys wake up in the backfield and do something. It's it's kind of nice to see, which yeah. tells me that uh, these guys didn't want to play for Nagy. And I kind of got a little bit of a problem with that because, you know, if you got an NFL contract, I don't Amen. care who you are and who you're playing for. You got to play. You need you to have 110%. Play. End of discussion. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you for uh, jumping in. Always a pleasure, buddy, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Have a great day. Talk to you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Thanks, Bob. Sounds like Bob says the defense is going to have to lead the way to an upset today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's funny, Brian. He brought up up blitzing, and we've got some audio on Coach Eberflus talking about that very thing and some other things that we'll hit upon when we come back. We've got Dave in Florida wants to jump on with us. Jerry? And Crystal Lake wants to jump on 312-332-3776. Get into that audio, taking your phone calls and more when we get back on ESPN 1000. Brian, your guitar playing has gotten better over the past few weeks. You've been practicing. I appreciate that. Well, I did see the Doobie Brothers uh, this week, too. So, if you, you know, one, uh, they, you know, unbelievable. Uh, Tom Johnston, the lead singer, sounds just like he did in the 70s. Isn't that amazing? That, I love when that happens. And that, you know, it's it's hard to keep up that instrument after all, all so many years, you know? And and he and Pat Simmons, uh, is it Simmons? They have unbelievable yeah. chemistry. Patrick the only Simmons, guy who yeah. was off, the only guy who was off was Michael McDonald. I mean, I, I don't know what was going on there, but he was uh, hardly a highlight. But if you do want to feel young, go to a Doobie Brothers concert, because um, even in my advanced age, uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, around right. better than 90% of that crowd, I'll tell you that. Right, um, right. The uh, Was the uh, wheelchair section a little bigger than the uh, standing section? Well, I mean, I'm just watching people get in and out of the seats yeah. at the Chicago Theater and trying to get down the aisle in the row, in the row. so that was painful for me to watch it. Yeah. But I, I will say this, I, I haven't seen a, a, an audience as engaged at a concert like that, like that crowd was in, in forever. I mean, on their feet from the start, singing, you know, every song except the, the three new ones they played off their Liberté album. 
that they released last year, which were pretty good, I thought. Anyway, all in all, was a, a, a they're playing the same set every single night. I looked it up, and they don't vary from. I mean, here, here's your your set of songs, and it's the same thing every night. But it worked for me, so it was great. Good, good. I, I'm glad to hear that uh, Patrick and Tom are still locked in. I told you before, the Michael McDonald years of Doobie Brothers was more or less the uh, middle-of-the-road middle M.O.R. thing. I, I love yeah. the Doobie Brothers as produced by Ted Templeman in the early 70s, so that's that's great. Um, we have – I, I want to get to this before uh, – too long here we just talked to bear fan bob and he was talking about defense and how that is going to make a difference tonight in the packers game if there is an upset and i i kind of i kind of feel um the same but here's coach eberflus on getting pressure without blitzing that to me is it's really good because you have now seven guys in coverage and you're able to fill windows and that's really good against a, a good quarterback. You know, if you playing a guy who's got a little bit more, uh, you know, inexperience, you can get away with sending you know five or more um, after him and open up those windows and and that will affect him because he'll look down at the rush a lot of times. Uh, but when you have a guy with experience, you know, you really want to be able to do that most of the time. Have seven guys in coverage, rush with four. Um, and that's how we operate most of the time anyway. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that's what I would say. Yeah, you know, and, and Coach also had something to say on how he evaluates his defense after game number one. I just think we play with good effort. Um, it's not good enough. Uh, we have to improve that. Um, you know, the, the instantaneous reactions need to be better. Uh, we are a little bit uh, tape delayed at times, uh, but we need to improve that. So we will uh, – that's this reading your keys and being faster to the punch. Um but uh, I thought for the first part of it, the first game, I thought guys played uh, relatively well. Got to like what you hear from uh, Coach Eberflus. Again, we're just so not used to somebody getting right to the point quickly and being able to understand what he's saying. And you can imagine that's how he delivers it in, in meetings to the guys that yep. matter, the players. And, and, and look, it, you know, uh, the Tribune wrote about it uh, as sometimes. Luke Getze, even after that horrendous first half, he said that he, he – he was smiling going into the locker room at halftime, but he, and no one really knew why he was smiling. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, he said, I'm just trying to be consistent for my guys. And he's not going to panic. He's not going to show uh, any insecurity or any, uh, you know, uh, he's going to show that he's confident that they can right. get it together. And, and they did just enough in that second half. So I'm, I'm with uh, uh, Matt Eberflus there that, that, the fact of the matter is it wasn't good enough. I mean, it was good enough to get a win, but you can't go out there and, and do what they did and expect to win more games than you lose. They found a way, but I liked what Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, said. You know, you want to believe that there's gloom and doom in Green Bay because they got their heads handed to them in Minnesota. Feel free to do that. But he said, we're not going to fall into that trap because, you know, the guy's still bleeping owns the Bears. That's Aaron Rodgers, right? So there you yep. go. Yep. And, and, Right, right. As fans, we get to be excited about the prospect of being able to do something that we're not anticipating doing. Like last week, nobody expected the Bears to win that game. Nope. But you can't. But but again, this what we're hearing from Eberflus, and you you brought up a great point. He's relating to the media a message about how they're trying to improve, and it's easy for us to digest. Now, looking back at the previous regime, not spending too much time there, but can you imagine we were hearing what they were saying to us, how confusing it probably was in the locker room. So you're right. That very pointed 
easy to understand direction, the hits principle and holding people accountable is the big difference maker because, you know, that's not what we had before. And that allows people to be ready for adjustments to be made in game. We have Dave in Florida wants to jump in and talk about rivalries here. Hey, Dave, you're on ESPN 1000. Morning, guys. Um, Good morning. Just re- really quick, you know, when you were talking about the concerts uh, last week or the one before, uh, were you guys talking at all about the Super Bowls of Rock, or are you too young for that? Oh, I, I'm, um, I'm aware of it. I wasn't there, but I am cer- certainly aware of the Super Bowl of Rock in uh, at Soldier Field, sure. Yeah, they're incredible. Um, it went to three out of four. But uh, getting wow. back to the three, um, Dan, you, it's, I don't think it's about, you know, who's winning now. It's it's 100 years old. You know, we've taken our turns of dominating. It's just that we have such a disdain for them, and they have the same for us. And it doesn't matter if we're owing whatever, and, and they're going undefeated. We want to beat them no matter what. And then it's the rivalry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just interesting, and and I and I feel the same. But by definition, rivalry is about who's do- if there's a one team dominating. It's not really a rivalry. But we feel what we feel, and we look forward to these games each and every year, perhaps more than playing the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, we do. The proximity in the history, all of that. Well said, Dave. Thanks for the phone call. We've got Jerry and Crystal Lake wants to talk about. Uh, what might happen in Arlington Heights? Hey, Jerry, you're on with uh, Xander and Hanley on ESPN 1000. Hey, good morning, gents. I, uh, I've i been a diehard my whole life, and uh, I'm trying to separate my love for the team with the honesty of, of ownership. Mm-hmm. And I, I hear the last callers say, not the last one, the couple callers go say that he has complete faith in the Bears. Yeah, and, Bear fan Bob. Um, I'm like, uh, yeah, obviously, I think he's been drinking a lot already this morning. Um, I mean, so we, we got the Queen, Virginia, of the Bears, and I, I think, you know, she's she's a great lady. She shows up, and I hope she knows what's going on, and God bless her, but everybody loves their kids to a fault. Her kids are idiots. They, they have no direction for this team, and I have complete faith that they're going to screw this entire thing up they're going to come out and they're going to have a conference and they're going to be like, oh, we're going to have state-of-the-art technology. They're going to leave out the fact that it's state-of-the-art technology from the 1990s because it's a good deal. It, <laughs> I, just, I, I just don't see anything good coming of this because they're going to screw it up. The team doubled in value. I would just, it would make my day. I'd have the biggest Bears party if they just sold to an owner that really wanted to move the team in the right direction and build a stadium that was truly state-of-the-art, something that, like, the Rams built. And it just, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm married to the baby of 14. It's an Irish Catholic family. They're all Packer fans. <laughs> and I've just been getting killed my entire life with her in with her brothers. Oh, and I God. just, uh, wow. I'm dying here, guys. I'm dying. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm the second yeah. of nine in our Irish Catholic family. That, yeah. That's a small family comparatively. But um, I, I, I will say this. I think they're going to get the stadium right because it's not – they don't know football. I'm with you on that. I, you know, They think they know football. Every time George says we're the best caretakers for this franchise just because we're the McCaskies, you know, well, year in, year out, you prove otherwise. I, they will they, – they're smart enough to get the right people people to build the right architects. They're going to give them the money and the resource yeah. to do it. Now, 
They did ask Mark, obviously, I told you this weeks ago, and you knew it anyway, but they were going to ask for infrastructure. They were going to ask for roads. They want the state and the county and, and maybe Arlington Heights, too, to all kick in tax money to do. They said, not the stadium. We're building the stadium. Because, you know, we don't we don't understand people don't want billionaires to get uh, you know, any kind of uh, monies to, to build a house. Right. But, but they, have, they, to, they have, have to build up the surrounding area to be able to handle that load of people. But you know what they, you know, the, the Cubs wanted that too, and they didn't get it from the city. Right. Um, right. You know, those days have changed. I, I, I know that, uh, that uh, Ted Phillips brought up the fact like 80% of the new stadiums all got um, some tax help uh, or relief from the state and everything. I don't believe that to be true anymore. And certainly the state of Illinois doesn't have the, the financial resources no, no. And, and, and the county and everyone else. I mean, they don't have two nickels to rub together to give to a franchise that's worth $4 billion now. And when this thing's done and, and up and running, could be worth $7, $8 billion without even without even putting a winning team on the field. So Right, right. And, um, and, and I, I certainly didn't mean to say that the state should, but it does need to happen. Because oh, well, yeah. Yeah, you're right, and 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 the Bears are going to have to absorb that, and 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 as they should, because they're going to make the money off of that. Oh, my guess is Springfield will capitulate and give them what they want, but not that they should. They probably shouldn't. They shouldn't. But believe me, there's enough. You know, jock sniffers down in Springfield, they will get season tickets out of it some way. I imagine. Well, you know, deals are deals, right? We, yeah, we are, well, we're yeah. always dealing. Yeah, you with scratch your back and put money yeah. in. Mind. Yeah, yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's take this phone call real quick before break. Here, going out to George in England. He wants to talk good about morning, George. George. Hey, George. Good how morning, are you, buddy? Hi, Brian. It's good, good to good to speak to you again, Brian. Um, yeah, Our condolences, guys, George. Pardon? I'm a, I'm oh, condolences the to the Queen. Condolences. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the Queen. Yeah, she, well, I mean, she's lived a very long and, and sort of you know she's. Uh, most of a life in service, so you know to get to ninety six, I think was a good achievement. Yeah, anyway, good uh, for, yeah. for anybody, yeah. yeah, pretty good, pretty good run. But um, yeah, the Bears, the Bears defense feels like ninety six years since we've won a Super Bowl, doesn't it? But um, that's beside the point. The Bears defense, the guy that was talking earlier about blitzing, I don't think that's the case. And what I've seen, because I, I do break down the tape and I do look at the all twenty two uh, constantly on the Bears because it's a passion. And that's that Alan Williams has been bringing what you call disguise pressures. So rather than sending more than four, he will send four, but it might not necessarily be the four down linemen. So he's been sending what you look what looks like overload pressures and then robbing a flat or something with a defensive end. That last year, don't forget, you know, Travis Gibson played in coverage. Robert Quinn played in coverage in short flat areas. So they know how to do those sort of coverages, but it gives him a lot more flexibility up front for the defensive line to actually bring pressure from places where... Rogers doesn't necessarily know that it's coming from. Now, I think the key to, to sort of beating Rogers is not to be afraid necessarily of the running backs in the run game, so run blitz early, and not to be afraid of being getting you know, getting beat deep because if we're having seven in coverage, we can leave Eddie Jackson as a single high, we can bring Brisker down into the box on run downs, and then on passing downs, you can have Brisker as the one high, and you can use Eddie Jackson just basically to rob the coverage. So wherever it looks like Rogers is going to go, give Eddie Jackson as a free man, let him run, chase the ball, and, and hit those... Uh, hit those flats and wherever Rogers wants to get to and you need to bait him into throwing what looks like easy looks so if we're going to get to him with four which hopefully we do because we you know, we had great pressure last week especially from the rookie Dom- Dominic Robinson if we can still carry on with that pressure up front with the four 
then that gives us a little bit of opportunity because we've got two very fast linebackers that can cover man tight ends or you know or slot receivers in, you know, in short areas. And with zones over the top, it gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of coverage. Bake the slants from Rogers because he loves to throw them. So and just rob a, rob a linebacker, and I think we've got a good chance. I think wow. the offense puts up 21 very plus nice. today. Yeah, okay. Very nice. Uh, George, thank you uh, so much. Very uh, in-depth description of what needs to happen. And and you're definitely the guy who thinks that the defense is going to be the difference maker if we're able to upset Green Bay. And Eddie Jackson, by the way, um, he looks interested this year, which is a nice, refreshing change. But um, I I would have confidence in in doing that because – Eddie Jackson, I saw last week. I didn't see last year, so no, no, it's it's been a long time. We didn't know that we were going to see him again, and that's a positive development. And as Bob said, if there were players that didn't want to play for Nagy, that's not the right way to do it. However, no, that's in the past, and we seem like we have a team that's truly engaged into the hits principle and everything that Eberflus and his staff has brought. We're going to take it to break, come back, and uh, set you up for the White Sox. We'll get back to uh, Bears before we get out of here at 1030, but we've got the lineup for the White Sox game today as they go for a win. And uh, two uh, two games, uh, they've got to they've try to they've got to get this game to uh, win two or three in Detroit. Obviously, they're all must win. We'll set you up for that right after this on ESPN One Thousand. Here's the pitch by Soto. Ground ball left side and through the Sox lead. An RBI single from Yoan Moncada brings Sebi Zavala in from third, three to two. All right, so the White Sox pulled it out last night. Final there, four three. Must win in Detroit, boy. I'll, I'll tell you something, Brian. In the tenth, it was deja vu all over again for a little while. There, we saw Lang. We uh, we sent. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Was it Elvis the first time? But no matter. We thought, okay, are we going to bunt here? And it turned oh, out that that happened in the eleventh, and it was Elvis who laid down a bunt. And we heard from Miguel Cairo after the game that he said he told Elvis first pitch. You know, uh, swing, you know, full swing. If if you're getting something you like, other than that, after that, it's up to you. What do you what What do you want to do? And Elvis laid down a good bunt and and set things up to uh, take the lead. But it was Yoan Mancata, a guy who's been taking lumps, and he was the one to come through with that uh, winning RBI. Well, we talked about this yesterday on White Sox Weekly. I brought up the fact that the, that Miguel Cairo didn't bunt the the uh, that's right the free runner over. And so what changed? And look, first of all, hats off to Liam Hendricks getting out of the bottom of the 10th because yep. they, they do get their, their runner to third. And that's what he didn't and, do the previous night. Right, exactly. Right, yeah. So Miguel Cairo says, well, I'm going to be aggressive there. Why would he bunt? And as you said, he told uh, uh, Elvis Andrews, the first pitch is yours. After that, if you don't if you don't like the offering, then you know think about bunting. But he, he still made it sound like it was up to Elvis to bunt or not. He wasn't telling him to bunt. But right. I think bunting there is the correct thing to do. And I, apparently Elvis did too, because he laid one down and actually got on base, right? I mean, it was it was trying to sacrifice, but it ended up being a bunt single. And mm-hmm. Jamal gets to third. And, and Cairo made it sound like, well, you know, if you bunt there, you're not on Friday night, on Friday rather, you're not going to get more than one run. I mean, he seemed to say, if you bunt, you're just settling for one run. And you got to get one before you get two. And it, last night, thank God, you know, he saw it a different way. And, and he actually... I still would have just told Elvis to do it, you know, to bunt from the get-go, but it worked out, and he he did the right thing this time, and they got two instead of one, and won the game. Unfortunately, 
Cleveland won both their games with that doubleheader, and you actually yeah. lost ground. It, it was pretty amazing. The Twins. Uh, I was doing post game last night, and and uh, you know while post game was in motion, I looked, and the Twins had tied it up. And then if you saw the end of the game, I mean, the Guardians are really, really on a run. And we took a phone call on White Sox Weekly yesterday, a very passionate phone call from Dan and Barrington, who was talking about how Elvis shot off his mouth, and this is the way Dan put it, um, which which I get because there have been a lot of talk, and it's frustrating because most of the talk isn't being backed up. But I did not have a problem with what Elvis said. He said something to the effect of, look, the pressure is on the Guardians. At some point, this run is going to start to crumble a little, but we just have to play our game. And we didn't win uh, night before last, but last night in similar fashion, extra innings, although it went to the 11. As you mentioned, Hendricks made the uh, stop that he couldn't make the day before, and we ended up getting another chance, another inning uh, in the 11th, and that's when Elvis did bunt. And, and Miguel Cairo said several times on the postgame, he's like, Elvis is a smart guy. I trust him, and whether or not it was a mandatory bunt or as an optional bunt, the right thing happened. And Yohan Mankata, uh, you know, had had the winning RBI. He was uh, he was two for five yesterday, and we've got the lineup here. We've got Elvis batting first, a shortstop. He's been uh, leading off for a good long time, a, a very wise choice. Yohan's in the uh, two spot at third base. Jose at first in the uh, three spot. Aloy batting cleanup, DH once again. Keeping him out of the field, I think that that has uh, been something that kind of obvious, and, and, and it's really sticking now. Gavin Sheets in right field, batting fifth. We've got Andrew Vaughn in left, batting sixth. A.J. Pollock is in center field. No Luis Robert. And this thing is starting to really appear as a serious mismanagement of talent and whatever injury he has because we've seen him. This is the third time now he's come back from arrest and then has been rested the next game. So we don't know what's up with this wrist. He obviously is not hitting the way he was before. He's not swinging the bat the way he was before, so he has the day off. Sebi Zavala catching, and Romy Gonzalez, who made a spectacular play yesterday. He's batting um, ninth at second base, and we have Vince Velasquez, who was just announced. Johnny Cueto had the night off yesterday. He wasn't feeling well. We didn't know if he would pitch today, so it looks like it might be a bullpen day unless Vince can get some uh, certain amount of innings under his belt, but it'll be Vince Velasquez pitching for the White Sox against Hutchinson. And he's a righty, so that means Yoan's going to be batting lefty, which he hasn't had the success this year as he has batting from the right-hand position. Yeah, and a tip of the cap to Davis Martin for what he did yes. yesterday, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and we're going to need him, right, because Kopech's on the I.L. now. We need him. He's staying. Yeah, I mean, he's, he comes up to Phil Cueto's spot, one run, three hits, five strikeouts, one walk, six innings. And you mentioned Pollock. I mean, he has the big two-run single in the seventh yep. to give the White Sox a lead. Um, you know, they, they found a way, but unfortunately, Cleveland has found a way. I, I don't think the pressure is on Cleveland at all. As a matter of fact, you know, you lost a half game in the standings because they won two to your one. But all you can do is win the one game you have scheduled that day. I get it. But they've found a way to keep this thing going. I think they've won, what, 10 of – 10 of 12 now, uh, something mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. they they don't look like a team that's uh, playing with pressure on them. They look like a team that's pretty confident. Well, they're playing. They're look, they're playing loose, but they still they still they they have to win these games coming into Chicago. 
and the White Sox have to win these games. Yeah, and that's right. Sure. That's right. That's no, that's that's right. I mean, there's pressure on both sides. Um, but yes, there's way more pressure on the White Sox side. And uh, I want to mention this before we hit break. We have uh, right uh, White Sox have placed right-handed pitcher Joe Kelly on the family medical leave list, and recall left-hander Tanner Banks from AAA Charlotte. So that is the latest development. We've had some movement on the pitching staff. As I said, Michael Kopech's on the 15-day IL, so Davis Martin is here. And, uh, yeah, the, the Guardians are playing like um, like they're trying to put people in their rearview mirror, and they've done that pretty much with the Twins. Now the White Sox have to win today, take tomorrow off, and uh, really – Really bring it for those three games. Every game has been a must-win game this year, especially in the second half, but they don't get any bigger than this, this series coming up. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Take your phone calls, 312-332-3776. This is ESPN 1000.